0: All right. Barty pretty much just started the podcast before I even hit record. So we're going to try this again. Welcome back to the Hair Advantage podcast. I'm your host Mel and this is episode number 33. Today I have with me (laughs) one of my high school friends and fitness professional Sarah Bartlett. Barty, how are you?
1: I'm great Mel, how are you?
0: I'm pretty fucking good. Thanks for asking.
1: <laughs> I'm excited, actually. I'm excited. Are you? Yeah. Well, so excited I couldn't help but start this. So,
0: um, look, we're going to start by saying that we are not, we're professionals. We're not medical professionals. The rest of this episode is purely based on experience, but we are going to start by setting an intention. Barty's going to pull us because I told her this was episode number 33, and she's like, Oh, that's an angel number. I'm like, Babe, go and get your fucking angel cards. <laughs> so we are setting an intention. Now you woo woo out. Now, now we're going to woo woo. So, Barty, seven shuffles, please. All
2: right. Then it just happened again. <laughs> am, I taking, am I taking the one that flew out? Yeah. Oh, blame. yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, God. It's Hold it up to the camera. Um, The words on it, it says, can you read that?
0: Return to silence. Oh, what? Does that mean that we're not meant to record this? i right? like, is it
1: telling us to shut up? <laughs> do not do this. It's a bad idea.
2: I'll look it up. I don't know. It
1: This card has shown up in your reading today to remind you that the true essence of life exists not in the external world, but within. If there is confusion or trouble in your life at this time, remember, the clarity you seek will not be found in the outside world. Confusion is a result of scattered energy, the constant thoughts you emanate as you struggle to find answers. Return to the peace and tranquility that exists deep in your heart and soul and all will seem clearer. The harder you struggle, the more confused you will feel. Life is not meant to be a struggle. So stop getting caught up in your external events and start listening to your inner voice. Meditate and you will discover a great sense of peace. The clarity you seek is within you.
0: I think that card was meant for me. I don't know if it was meant for the intention of the podcast. So thank you very much for pulling that card.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is the thing that I love so much about tarot. And well, this isn't tarot. This is just angel cards, but the same thing, right? You, it doesn't actually always matter what your intention is. Sometimes the universe just smacks you around the face with the lesson that you need to hear at the time, whether you want to hear it or not. Oh God, we can go, we can <laughs> talk it's all so day. Humbling.
0: Yeah, we can talk all day
1: about this. Oh, I love it. I've actually filmed some readings that I've done. Like I've never put them anywhere, but I've just filmed them because it's like it's so fun to look back at it and go, oh my God, that's wild. And I've On two different a couple of different occasions, like I've had the cards show me something and I read it, what it looked like, and I went, no, that's no, that's not it. It was it. I just didn't want to believe it. You know, like some there's been times when they've predicted disaster and I've gone, oh bullshit, that's not happening. Yeah. Sure enough, it was. Have you ever done it
0: with your nephews
1: or kids? Mm A very, very long time ago. They like to play with them and they look, look at the pictures on them and stuff. Um, A really, really long time ago, not for, yeah, not for ages. I had a really creepy
0: experience with one of the little girls in my life. Um, She was having a sleepover with me. Her mum was due to go- give birth that week and she pulled a card and it was the family card and basically just said, like, you know, how something big and exciting was happening in the family this week. And the entire pregnancy, she was convinced that her mum was having a little girl. like if you even said the B word, she was she would get angry, she would chuck a hissy fit, like she was having a sister. And so when we pulled this card, I was like, what do you think this means? And she goes, um mommy's having a baby this week we're gonna welcome a little brother into the world and I'm like oh a brother she's like yeah we're having a little boy anyway mum had a little boy that week and it was like oh that's weird that's <laughs> was so, so weird. weird yeah it was really cute yeah.
1: it's adorable hey yeah I just love all the little synchronicities and like the weird things that you notice when you do that it's
0: it's nice. Sometimes, sometimes and like, I think it's also cathartic when you're in the shit, when you're really in the shit and not feeling great. And to get to take a step back and know that there's going to be meaning in it.
2: Yeah. I actually find it really meditative as
1: well. So yeah. quite often like, like a like a cause because you you you're not thinking, you're doing something physical with your body. But then you have to use your creative mind to put it together. So you have to, yeah, you'll have to already have an understanding of what each individual card means, but then you have to try to understand what they mean when they're collectively layered together. And I like to read really intuitively. So I do a lot of like what we just did there. If I'm shuffling and one of the things I notice a lot is you'll have days where the energy in the deck is just crazy and they'll be really, like, noisy. They'll be popping out everywhere and whatever. I, I take that. As they're coming out, if they're jumping out like that, like, that's how they want to be read. And if multiple cards come out together, they're supposed to be read together kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just find it it's, it's fun because it takes you out of your stress. Like, I really struggle to meditate on a regular basis. I don't know if it's my <laughs> star personality or what it is, but like make myself sit down and meditate. It's a challenge sitting down to do that. I actually really look forward to it, but I find that I get a really similar result in terms of the feeling in my body, similar to if I had done a meditation session.
0: Do you know what's really interesting is something that's just come to mind is like you and I went to a religious school you know we had we had religion up until year 12 we had chapel services multiple times a week and i don't know about you but i definitely left school with a sour taste in my mouth for religion and using angel cards using tarot cards like you just said as a form of meditation but also as a form of connection to and i'm just using this word interchangeably you can whoever's listening to this can put this word wherever they want but like god and the universe and so really now defining what that means for me again after really not being fucking happy when i left school
1: that's wild yeah very much the same very similar like <sighs> I remember there was a massive change when we got that new Rev that came, I think we were about maybe year seven or eight. And there was a new Reverend who came and he was, you know, young and hip and cool. And remember he played Avril Lavigne complicated music video in chapel, like the first ever service we had with him. We were like, <laughs> and we all loved him from that moment. But he, like the, the forced religious classes and all the chat, like I was just, yeah, bored over it. And it was just mundane and not interesting. But now I'm like, mate, I'm reading the Bible at the moment. Like I'm finding myself now going so much back to not just spirituality, but also like religion and rediscovering that. And it's interesting because, I mean, at the same time, I'm also studying health science. So it's quite, you know, but it's actually, I actually find that the more that I learn about science, the more that I actually believe that there's something else going on that science can't explain
2: why or how have you linked that
1: I think because there's so there's so much that we know in terms of life saving techniques and amazing things that we can do but then when you start to learn about things like the microbiome and gut health and neuroscience and even nutritional medicine and how juvenile our actual understanding of like we know less about our gastrointestinal tract than we do about like the Milky Way. It's that foreign to us. It's crazy. Like we just don't have a very broad understanding yet at all. Like we're very we're kind of tapping the surface, you know, of where we're at with where it can go. So, I think and from a I'm going to stop you like, there from
2: a scientific point of view or an emotional point of view with the gastrointestinal
1: sorry with the gastrointestinal tract no 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 I mean I'm no sorry I, yeah so I was, I was about to kind of tap into yeah, the more emotional stuff so from a scientifical perspective from a scientific perspective the study of the microbiome is still a relatively new field of study and we don't know that much about it yet even though we're making leaps and bounds at the moment it's still very very new in in terms of how far we know we've got to go with it now that we understand like just how many different species are living in there and we understand, you know, a handful of them at this point in time and we don't even understand fully the handful that we do think we have an understanding of, if you get what I mean. So there's so much variation in the microbiome and all the different species down there. So there's a lot of discovery yet to do. But then also you've got things like the fact that you've got yeah, that your vagus nerve, which, you know, runs from your gut to your brain and sends more information in that direction than in that direction. And all those, you know, like a gut feeling, butterflies. You're not your going to be watching a
0: video, Sarah, from the gut to the brain. It sends more information from the gut to the brain than the brain sends down to the gut.
1: <laughs> I know. I should have been Italian. I speak with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> don't use my words <laughs> um yeah so it's sending more information from the gut to the brain than in the other direction and there's all those things you know like your your gut feeling and having butterflies in your stomach and all those you know nerves and all those sensations that we literally feel in our stomach or having a gut reaction about something when you have intuitive thoughts you feel those in your solar plexusy kind of a region you know so I think in terms of spiritual and like, I just genuinely believe wholeheartedly that we are physical, spiritual beings. We're you know we're not just physical. We're not just mental. There is absolutely a spiritual component to us, and I just feel like it's been severely neglected and sometimes even rejected in favor of science. And I think that really is actually it's doing a disservice to science because it's a, it's part of our experience and it's a, it needs to be explored.
0: Absolutely, it does. Um, absolutely, it does. And I think like you and I both work—you I mean, work with men and women, but have a particular interest in women's health. And you know, a woman, and I say this, term, I say this with not as gospel, but a woman can be doing all the right things
2: and her body can be responding in really obscure ways. Mm. Do you agree? I
1: think so. I don't know. What specifically do you mean? (laughs) Give
2: me a bit more detail. (laughs)
0: Okay. So say, say hypothetically a woman is, you know, She prioritizes her sleep hygiene. She's getting um, access to the daily sun. She's eating nutrient-dense food. She's moving to the best of her ability, but Mm -hmm. she still has really interrupted sleep. Her digestion's really off. Um, Maybe experiences episodes of depression and anxiety. Like, do you think that is a nutrition and exercise problem? Sarah's sometimes like, right, right now. That, yeah, I don't think mean, I've never made this. Sarah silence in her life.
1: And <laughs> I'm, I'm pursing my lips. I'm like holding my words, you know. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> so oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I mean you, you and I both know from um, I think probably personal experience and occupational experience and also. The areas of research and interest of study that we all we both share, that absolutely there's, you know, if someone can be doing all the right physical things, we'll say, but that person has a history of sexual trauma or severe neglect or I don't know, any kind of abusive or traumatic experience. And mentally, psychologically, they're not processing that,
2: who knows how that can manifest in the body. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are you silent? Because <laughs> there was a funny video lag. I, I, I went funny for a second. I was like, oh, it's ah, going you're on seeing now? it finally. <laughs> yeah, I can see it now. Okay, maybe I've just been blind for the last hour. I don't know. Maybe. So
0: we're going to like, we've kind of just dived into this podcast, which is great. But I want I want to go back to where I wanted to start. Sarah, can you give a little background on how you and I actually know each other?
1: Okay. Melanie and I
0: met... Melanie, <laughs> fuck you.
1: <laughs> Love you. Uh, it would, um, we would have met in 2000... No, 1999, because you were already at Pimble Ladies, Pimble Ladies College then, weren't you? Uh, year you five, five. five when I started. Five. Yeah, you started in year three, didn't you? Year five. Oh, year five as well. Okay, we both started in year five. Well, there you go. So we would have met in probably 1999, although I don't really remember that much of you up until we got to high school. Um, But, yeah, we spent, so what's that? How many years in high school did you do? Five and then another two. So seven years of high school together. Um, And then I think we both got accepted to uni in Sydney, didn't we? And I went off to Sydney Uni for a, or did you do a gap year? I did a gap year. You did a gap year and I went to Sydney Uni for a semester. and I hated it. And I just felt like what I was on this massive, lonely campus and it was just depressing. And so then I decided to change direction and to enrol in, like at this stage, for me personally, this going the sidebar from talking about how we met, just let's talk about me for a minute. <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to do after school. I had absolutely no idea. The only thought in my mind was that I wanted to do acting. And my mum's advice was, mm, it's probably not a really viable career. Maybe you should go to university and get some kind of a degree. Twenty thousand dollars
0: a year for you to go be an
2: actor.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, like, fair. Um. Whatever. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. Looked into degree options and read about. Thought you know what, radio is kind of similar to acting if I could go and do a degree and I'll learn to do radio. So I looked into a Bachelor of Communications majoring in commercial radio, which was offered at the only university in New South Wales offering it was Charles Sturt University in Bathurst. So I enrolled there and <clears throat> set off to Bathurst in like the second semester of the year. Um, and then I think it was six months later, you'd showed up, you rocked up. To do ah. your back in health science, or was it a year later?
0: Because I had I took a gap year and then I went to Canberra for
1: a year. Oh yes. Yeah, so it was two years later. Yeah.
0: I didn't realize that you were, yeah.
1: And then that summer Oh I- no, actually, sorry. I I took the rest of the year off and then I started in the yeah. So you were one exactly one year after me at that uni, but I because I started at the start of the
2: uni year. Yeah. So then
0: I remember that summer, you were like, you should come to Bathurst. You'll love Bathurst. And I think I can't remember the series of events whether we came up for that night out. You
1: came up to visit for a weekend and you you were so that
0: wasn't in that was in holidays though. That was, I mean, that was in holidays that had nothing to do with uni. And then Yeah, you were like, you should apply. And it was like so close to uni term. And I like put my application in. I was like, not going to get in, whatever. Next minute I'm getting an um, acceptance letter and getting accepted into the cool residence. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) What have I just signed up for? Exactly. Because I remember I don't think I'd even unenrolled from Canberra yet. And all my mates were starting back and they're like, where are you? I'm like, I'm actually not coming back. Um, and then yeah rocking up to Bathurst and I'm pretty sure your words to me were someone fucking said to me like wait till you go to an exam drunk and I was like Sarah Bartlett I would never go to an exam drunk sure enough like halfway through first semester I was like what am I doing <laughs>
1: well it was the worst wasn't it like sometimes I look back on it and I, ha- I kind of go Man, I kind of wish I'd done more with that period of my life than just be getting drunk so much. But then I also look back at it and I go, you know, but I would not be who I am. And like, no way. Man, it was an experience. No
0: way, <laughs> exactly.
1: And the fact that we even survived. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come out the other side and like, oh, that's just wild.
0: So we went to high school together. We went to we we did have a wild year after school together and then went to Bathurst together
2: I totally forgot about that
0: <laughs> so well I'm glad about that because my question for you was like what is like if someone said to you what's your like Mel K memory what is it
1: is that what you thought it was gonna be <laughs> I, I'm now picturing the photo that I, <laughs> like, <laughs> um no it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been from that era It would either be uni or maybe even high school. You,
0: you're a personal trainer. Like what's your title?
1: Um, yeah. So I I take kind of, I usually go by health and fitness coach. Or health and nutrition coach, sorry, is what I mean to say.
0: After we finished uni, again, we had a pretty, we went pretty different, like separated, went different, down different roads, um, But you worked at the gym that I worked at, that I basically started my health career in. You then also went and worked there. So we kind of have intertwined ever since leaving uni as well.
2: Yeah. So
0: obviously radio didn't
1: work out. What next? Well, yeah, I think I knew that the radio gig, well, the radio gig was really an advertising sales courses in disguise um so that I ended up in an advertising sales role that I thought I was loving but like in hindsight actually I hated I hated the work I didn't believe in the product I didn't like what I was doing I was consulting with small to medium businesses and my role was to convince them to invest you know between 40 and 150,000 dollars in a pretty mediocre advertising campaign on a pretty mediocre radio station when honestly their money would have been better invested elsewhere and it just ethically I'm not that kind of person I just I can't do that for my own financial benefit it just didn't work for me so when I got to the point where I was showing up to that job um, to attend my eight AM meeting and talk to my boss about you know my week and my day and about oh yeah I've got meetings out of the office all day and I was buggering off to go and volunteer on student films as an actor <laughs> I was like okay this isn't working I need to make a switch um, so I ended up getting fired because obviously I was shit at that job <laughs> duh um, and I remember the day that I had to call my Parents and tell them that I'd just been fired, and I was just, what is, what is my dad gonna say? Like I, you know, he spent all this money putting me through uni, and I have this job, and they were so proud of me, and they're like, you know, telling everybody about this great job that I've got, and blah blah blah. And then I called him up, and I just sort of said, told him what had happened, and he goes, you know, just goes, all right, sir, well. How how do how do you feel? And I said, honestly, Dad. He goes, yes, honestly. And I said, I I actually feel like a massive weight's been lifted off my shoulders. And he said, Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because honestly, you have not been yourself the last six months. So obviously, this is not the thing for you. You're much more creative than this, so you need to get out there and find what you know. Get out and find what you're passionate about. And I just did not expect that from him at all, Um, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. And then I just went back to hospitality work for a while just to keep money rolling in. And a few weeks later, my mum actually said to me, um, so a couple of years earlier, my older sister had gotten engaged and when she'd gotten engaged, we all hired a personal trainer to whip us into shape for the wedding. He was awesome. Um, I'm still connected to him to this day. He was the first personal trainer I ever hired uh, on, I think, Day two of our relationship, I was like, Is it too early to tell you that I hate you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, still friends with him. He lives down in Tassie now, but still Facebook friends with him to this day. And like, he's a great trainer. um But yeah, we hired a trainer and he actually said, You know, if at some point in, in our training, he said to me, Sarah, have you ever considered doing this for a job? Because you'd, you'd be really good at this. And I just brush up. I was like, No way, man. I, I work in advertising sales. No way. Like, just brushed it off and yeah a few weeks after not knowing what to do and what direction I was going to go with, my mum said that to me she you remember what Chris said why don't you look into that and so the next day I drove down to the Australian Institute of Fitness in St Leonard's I walked in and I sat down with a careers advisor and I think an hour later I was enrolled and I started the next week and I have never looked back like before i finished the course i had two jobs as a trainer and i've just been t- 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 chugging along since then
0: you ended up working for a company that was pretty i'm not we're not going to talk about the like the company but you ended oh. up working for a company that was very big in the bodybuilding space health and wellness space had a really good name for itself you know but you, you saw what was really happening behind the scenes. And I don't expect you to go into detail as to what that specifically was, but that was just an indicator of what was happening in the rest of the industry, right? Like we saw these really polished, um, polished programs, polished bodies, polished um, fitness certificates. Can you allude to what was happening behind the scenes?
1: I mean, I think it's no secret that there's a high degree of bullshit in the fitness industry. Why? Um,
2: Why? I mean,
1: I think it comes back to a very old trope, sex sells. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And health isn't sexy. Fitness is sexy, but health isn't sexy. Health is a slow grind and health is a long process and it's boring. And it's, it's it's ticking all the right boxes 80% of the time, being really good 80% of the time. But fitness is, it, it's fast, it's sleazy, it's your quick fixes, it's your transformations, it's people taking things that might, may not necessarily benefit their health in the long term for the short-term benefit of getting a faster result with their body composition or with their muscle gain or whatever it be. And, I mean, at the end of the day, If that's what you're into, that's what you're into. But it's just not what I'm into. You know, for me, I got into this industry because of a passion for nutrition and a lifelong interest in being active and challenging my body in a physical way and trying to better myself. And for that reason, the aesthetics of it were always backseat for me. I even remember when like in my first year of becoming a personal trainer and I obviously was starting to gain a bit more muscle because my training before that had just been like sports training, a bit of weights training in the gym for rowing. And then I'd gone away to uni and basically got drunk for three years and then came back and hadn't trained at all. Like maybe would go on the occasional run once every six months or something. I think I played hockey for a while, but then that got discarded pretty quickly because the partying got in the way of the hockey games and the training. <laughs> So you know I came back and I was just doing bodyweight training I basically never stepped foot into a commercial gym before I became a trainer so I didn't really know what I was doing in that sense but learning like learning all about that really quickly and learning how to train properly I started to gain a lot of muscle and hypertrophy my body quite quickly and I remember my mum saying to me <clears throat> she said oh, but don't, you know, you don't want to get too bulky. You just want to watch out that you don't end up looking, you know, too masculine. And I turned around to her. I said, mum, I train to be able to do cool things and I train so that my body can achieve cool goals that I set for myself. And how I look is just a byproduct of that. So, so be it, whatever happens, you know. And then I've obviously changed my mind around that since then now I've gone a lot more down that like I've done a bodybuilding comp since then and I've gone way further down the path of um aesthetics and well really really more so in the sense of actually rebalancing um and just improving movement patterns is sort of where it ties in as well but yeah it's um it is a, a that's that's the way I think I best categorize it I say there's actually two industries there's a health industry and there's a fitness industry and they're they're totally separate and if you're chasing if you're chasing fitness the thing that you need to realize is that many coaches that are fitness coaches will sacrifice your long-term health in the pursuit of your transformation and or their marketing opportunity because once they get that photo of your amazing transformation, it doesn't matter if your metabolism's in the absolute dumps after. They've got their great photo that they can then use to get more people into their program. And it doesn't really matter that they've caused metabolic damage or that they've made a, you know, it's made you slightly neurotic around your eating habits or whatever is the outcome of the transformation. So, yeah, I think... I don't think that they're all bad. And there are many, 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 like there's many great coaches that came through that gym who are still wonderful coaches in the industry and a brilliant people. Um, But there's also the, the, like with any industry, there are people that are going to cut corners and go the lazy route and, or diet women as though they're men (laughs) and cause hormonal issues for them. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, that's a really big problem in our industry to date, not just, and that's not the only facility. Um, and to be fair, the reason why I got offered the role in that job was actually because I, 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 in the course that I was doing with them, we were required to do a presentation to the rest of the class. And the presentation that I gave was actually on exactly that, how women are not little men and women need to be trained according to their own or honoring their own hormonal cycle and fluctuating the training and the nutrition around the month to actually work with the cycle and not against it and that's actually what got me the offer of the role there in the first place so I feel like it it was a real it was a bit contradictory in many ways because of the name of the place was sort of saying one thing but then a lot of the practices went in another direction and I feel like the owner wanted he that's what he wanted he wanted the idea of you know that like the people that we got to come and educate us were world-leading naturopaths and you know incredible trainers and people but then there were corners that were cut in internally that just didn't didn't land properly for me
2: yeah so I don't know,
0: there's two ways that I want to take this conversation then. If, you know, the majority of my listeners are women mm. and if they're looking to engage with a coach or a trainer, you know, you and I had this conversation the other day, all personal trainers are not created equal. What are some um, what are some questions we can ask or what's some background that we can do to really gauge whether we're buying
2: into someone's marketing or actually buying into a program that's going to look after our health?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, like for for me, one of the key things that I say to everybody in the initial consultation and one of my main priorities with coaching people is actually to, to give them back their autonomy when it comes to their health to make them the power player in their own healthcare and actually make them realise that that's the role that they need to take on. So it's sort of like I don't tell anybody what, like how to eat, for example. In rare circumstances, I will. So, you know, for example, I have a handful of clients at the moment who are doing specific protocols Um in which case I do have really strict rules around it, like really strict guidelines around what can and cannot be eaten throughout the protocol. But those are temporary methods used to achieve a short-term outcome. Over the long term, it is every individual's responsibility to work out how to optimise for themselves. There is not anybody else on this planet who is a greater expert on you than you. And like, you're the only person that's lived in your body your whole life. So I hear so many stories of women going to the doctor and saying, oh yeah, I just feel, I I feel a bit off and this something's going on and it doesn't feel normal for me. And they'll run tests or they'll do whatever bare minimum procedures they need to do and say, oh no, there's everything's within the normal range. Therefore you're fine. Yet the patient is sitting in front of you and saying, this is not normal for me. And that's so important because you're, actually, you're the only one that's lived in your body. You're the only one that knows. So therefore, it is your responsibility to become the expert on yourself so that you understand how eating a certain food affects your body. And you understand that, like, I even know, for example, how long I can stand out in the sun Without any sun protection on, before it would start to become a problem for my skin. Simply because of, I've I've done the data on it, I've tracked it over, you know, enough times and learned that okay, no, if I get out in the early morning sun, I can spend an hour. If it's the middle of the day, I can spend twenty minutes, and then I got to get out. Like I know these things now, but that's because I listen to myself as the expert of my body. I don't let other people tell me what's best for me. One and of I my think,
2: favorite
1: things. Sorry, that- go on
0: no, I don't know. One of my favorite things to do it use is like sleep, right? You know, so I, you know, I think it's recommended seven to nine hours of sleep. And there's, you know, people love to say, did you get your eight hours? Like, it's not, that's not a factory standard setting to sleep. You know, that's going to change seasonally. Like that. That's going to change based on your tr- nutrition, the way you are in your cycle. Like, and again, for a woman to be, I love that wa- word, autonomous in her knowing. What where her data lands, to repeat a previous conversation, it's not fucking sexy, but it's so fucking important. Mm. Mm. I actually do find it sexy, I have to say. So do I. And I love. It gets me on so much hormonal tracking. It's like so like yeah, when, yeah, <laughs> when, I don't know about you, but when you're in conversation with women who talk about their health almost dismissive dismissedly like like I literally one tune the fuck out and I'm almost like cool how how do I um leave like how do I I don't Mm want to be in this conversation and then you hear women who like we've just talked about track their cycle or know their sleep patterns or like literally know the finesse of their body and talking about it from a place of knowing, not from a place of conversation. It's so fucking cool. So fucking intelligent and
2: beautiful. There's Why do a meta-analysis you-
1: study that came out recently, basically trying to debunk it? Debunk I haven't actually done study, so I shouldn't bring it up. But I'm going to because I'm chaos like that. <laughs> so I because I, I know the I note because I saw it on like Instagram reels people being like oh so you know all the stuff about like yeah there's changing throughout the cycle and like whether your your strength changes throughout the cycle they're like yeah it's largely in your head the meta-analysis is basically saying no bueno I'm
2: like mm-hmm. I really want to. See, I've that. got
0: a couple of people in my circle that would agree with that but they are they're athletes and they treat their body like they're athletes so their nutrition is on point their training is on point their sleep is on point like they fucking know their data to a t and so they know that when they walk into the gym they can essentially assume the outcome like they fucking know what's happening yeah whereas i know for me my nutrition is not a priority at the moment and so that sounds really bad. My nutrition is always a priority, but like tracking my nutrition isn't a priority at the moment. And so I can tell at what stage of my cycle by the output I have in the gym. So I think that there's, I think that there's truth to that, but I also think that there's caveats to that.
2: Oh,
1: of course. Absolutely. hundred percent. I think it's um, either way, it's an invaluable skill And it's something that women should be more educated about. And that is, I mean, that that is a goal of mine anyway in the next, you know, in the next little while, we're going to start making, doing some workshops, basically educating women on exactly this. So like, this is what's going on at each phase of the cycle. This is how you can support your body. These are foods to have. These are foods to avoid, blah, blah, blah. This is how you can support with training and or recovery protocols, et cetera. But I think more than that, it's like women have such a different life journey to men. It's so different. And we have these key, like, pivotal phases of our life and we have massive changes from one phase to the next. So, like, when you're a child, obviously, is you're a child. Once you hit that adolescence, like, menarche phase where you're getting your first period, there's so many changes going on. Hormones are going crazy. There's so much happening and there's a fair bit of education done on that, you know, like in sex ed classes and that kind of a thing. Now. I, I imagine it's getting a lot better these days. I don't really know because I'm not a PA teacher, but I imagine that it's improving. I mean, we learned about what a period was.
0: Okay. So we I only had this conversation with a group of women yesterday purely because yeah. a couple of them have girls of like that age. That age. I don't like I literally I I don't remember a lot about what we got taught in school but it wasn't like do you, like well, you and I went to an all-girls school do you remember comfortably talking about our period it was still a really secretive dirty thing right
1: you still hid ta- um pads up right? your sleeve and went Yeah,
0: yeah. crazy um, whereas like girls today you know like it's com- apparently on their school like they these the they go to a co-ed school and I'm at the office there's like pads and tampons on just sitting on the like counter at the office if the girls need to come and get them so the boys can see them too like it's just a really completely normal open thing that they
1: do and okay. talk about. I think that's probably better. Absolutely, I've read yeah, but in recent like in very recent times, I've I've like I mean as as all things do like I'm quite a, I'm am I. Or, I, I would tend to say I'm quite a moderate person with extreme tendencies maybe, but I find that it can divulge into just a bit like you don't need to, it, it's something that women need to be educated on and women need to be aware of and men need to be, little boys need to be taught not to be scared of tampons that are wrapped in plastic and, you know, that, like all that stupid stuff that young men do. But I also don't think it needs to be constantly shoved down everyone's faces and it needs to be everywhere, you know? Absolutely. There's there's certain brands that I used to follow and sort of more so support that were more like kind of period movement sort of things. And I just don't feel like we've got enough period acceptance now.
2: (laughs) it's funny.
0: I I think that's the world that you and I live in too though like I don't think like I still have conversations with women around I'm like do you have a regular bleed no not really Oh, you're right yeah you know what I mean like there's not there's there's things that are are in our world and because we see them all the time we think it's becoming common knowledge but I don't think
1: it is yet have you noticed a trend, a change though? Because I've been asked, I mean, I've been asking this question of women and talking about cycles in my consultations for going on six years, I'd say now. And I would certainly have noticed a trend. I ask about periods and I ask about poos in the like literally the first meeting with people. And I'm very when I do it, like it's not yeah. you know reactive because it's so not to me. It's like asking someone if they have good sleep. Yeah. And the reaction I get from people, I would say, more recently, especially women, they're far more open and they're far more understanding about why I would need to have that, why I would be asking for that information. Yeah. They I, understand it's relevant to, because back in the day, training out of fitness first, if I asked people that, they'd be like, how's that relevant? What, what, why are you asking about that? I'm like, <laughs> Okay, sure. Let's just talk about your (laughs) (laughs) push-ups.
0: It's interesting though. Like I had a a client, all my clients track their body temperature and one of my clients was quite high. She was tracking quite high and she's like, I actually don't feel very well. I think I'm going to go to the doctor. And she went to the doctor with that information. I've got a really high body temperature. It's unusually high. And the doctor's like, so? like for how long
2: even, pardon that's weird isn't it for how long
0: she ended up having um viral meningitis in the spine yeah Something
2: yeah was
1: yeah. like, there's obviously a fever of some kind going yeah on her, but the doctor was it's like oh, it's not they that they high it's not that bad period. again right. the same it's exactly it's the exact same thing it's like oh well it's still in a normal range it's like oh I'm telling you that I've been tracking my data for a year and the last however many days it's been elevated and that's abnormal. Like, but, it, but I also, I don't know where it comes from. I'm going to say it. It's going to be controversial, but I'm going to say it. There's so many doctors out there with a God complex. They're really, like... Uh, don't like. There's so again, same thing in our industry. There are so many who are brilliant at what they do. They have a high IQ and a high EQ, and they will listen to their patient and get that. But there's also like I have been. I mean, the reason I say like I've literally got a doctor in mind, very personal experience. In fact, one of the ones that sent me down the whole hormonal exploration, and people get gaslit. People get. Told that, the, especially women historically, oftentimes have been told that things are in their head. That, yeah, pain is the pain that you're experiencing is in your head or might not be that bad or must be something else or could just be women's problems. Do you want to just go on the pill? <laughs> like, it's just crazy. It's not right. It's broken.
0: It's not. But then there are people like you and I who are like, hey, there's other options. Let's explore this.
1: Yeah. And I think the, there was a period of my life where I, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And I think, you know, had I I gone down that route, I'd still have ended up in the same place that I am now because I still would have had the very keen interest in fitness and nutrition that I've had for my whole life anyway. So I would have still ended up going down the same route and heading towards the functional medicine space. But I'd probably be carrying a lot more guilt with me. I was going to say, I wonder how
0: tricky it would be to get there. Like how many doctors... Like, like, because if you... Doctors get into medicine, right, because they want to help people. I don't think that they get into medicine because they want to fuck with people.
1: No, fuck no, absolutely not. No, no. Some of them do it because they're smart and they know that it's good money. There is that (laughs) percentage of the population, like the guy that came in to my dad's hospital room when he was close to death and started talking about after he would be dead in front of him when we'd specifically said tell him to knock and wait outside the room and we'll come out and he walked in and just started speaking about it and my poor dad who was by that stage nonverbal, started groaning because he obviously it was too painful for him to hear that he didn't want to hear us having to talk about that like there's people that just and he was obviously a, a very intelligent man but me and my younger sister turned around and said like are you f-ing serious right now get out get out but like you shouldn't have to in that situation, in the emotional state and this, like the physical state from the exhaustion and everything that you're going through, you just shouldn't have to tell a doctor to have emotional intelligence. It just shouldn't be the case. It it, there should be an emotional intelligence screening to be a doctor, as well as just an IQ and, you know, as well as just being intelligent and getting a high ATAR. You should actually have to prove that you're a compassionate human being. And that Ooh, you actually care yeah. about life.
0: You should get into politics. You should get into the university system or something. Like, we need to implement. Right. No, right? We have to change this.
1: Um, no, we that's the thing, though. That's the, thing. and that's part of the reason why I am wanting to start a podcast because there's so many, there's a lot of really powerful voices, I think, coming out of other countries. I, most of the podcasts that I listen to are from the UK or America. And there are some great health and fitness podcasts in Australia for sure. But in terms of actually really getting the message more out there and getting more Australian women to understand how much we need to have a revolution in healthcare, and just more people. If you believe it, you need to speak it. And if you believe I was just it gonna say, I really well, it, you need to shout it from the rooftops.
0: We really suffer from tall poppy here, like it's, and so I think there is that why. Pardon, is that why? I really think so, and I think there are some. Again, I know I have some phenomenal women in my circle that are really trying to use their voice for good, and honestly, cannot be fucked with the battle that they come up with, and so they're like. I know this information, and if people want to come to me, that's fine, but I'm not going to put myself out there for to, susceptible to abuse because I have a different opinion to what's currently offered. So you just alluded, well, you just dove into it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I know. I realize we haven't frank, prefaced we haven't
0: that framed it we, yet. So has it been a year?
2: Uh,
1: not yet, in about a week and a half.
0: So Sarah's coming up to the one-year anniversary of her dad's death. He died quite horrifically from cancer, mm. and it really—I mean, you knew about the health industry and the—the the, not industry, the medical system. You had ideas mm. about the medical system prior to um, this experience. But can you shed a little bit of light on, and as much as you want, or, you know, obviously frame it in however you want to frame it, but going through that experiencing, witnessing what you witnessed, what have you taken away from that?
2: Yeah. um,
1: Well, I think exactly like you said, and kind of also tying into that point we were just having about actually having a voice. For myself, a big part of actually having the confidence to have a voice actually has come from having gone through this experience and I'm a very big believer in everything happens for a reason and speaking out about my beliefs around health and the crisis that the world is in and the stranglehold that the pharmaceutical industry has on modern medicine has been something that I've believed in, but not had the not had the lived experience to believe that I'm right. So I read lots of other people's stories in
2: my okay, we'll try that again. So I don't
1: know where we heard up to, but I was sort of saying it's there's a lot, an awful lot. Um, The path that I was already on prior to this experience had me pretty firmly in the beliefs um, that I had around healthcare and the pharmaceutical industry's role in modern medicine um, prior to this experience. But to tie it back into the point that we were making previously about having your voice, but having, having the confidence to have a voice and speak publicly about this stuff... I would not have had the confidence prior to having gone through this experience because whilst I thought that I believed it and I thought that I had an understanding of surely there's got to be a better way than just treating symptoms and throwing, you know, synthetic drugs at symptoms to treat people when that doesn't help people's health when I know from what I've read and just from my own experimenting and improving my own lifestyle through food and nutrition and lifestyle modifications, I know the benefits that's had on my health. And I've read so much about natural medicine and how it can heal people and how it can help people. But I'd not had any lived experience either in that or in the counter. So whilst I believed it, it was a massive case of imposter syndrome and, yeah, but who am I to speak about it? But who am I to speak about it? And I'm also a very big believer in everything happens for a reason or at the right time. And whilst I have felt a pull to talk, uh, I suppose, to put myself out there more publicly and talk more publicly about health, my beliefs around health and this sort of thing, I've felt a pull to do it for a number of years I honestly believe that the reason why I haven't started until now was because I could, I'm an incre- I'm, hmm, I'm a really extroverted person, but I am an incredibly private person. So I will tell someone that I'm like, I'll overshare things that it, I, it might seem like to other people would be shameful or like making a, you know, like I went to a party on the weekend. I was like, guys, I'm dressed head to toe in Vinnies. And everyone's like, oh my God, don't tell everyone that. I'm like, no, I'm proud of it. I think it's amazing. You know, like I I have no filter with some things, but with things that actually affect me, I do not share those with anybody until I have done a very deep analysis of them myself. And it's something that I've, it's something that I need to work on continually because I actually do need to share things a lot more to not, you know, um, internalise yeah, I think them.
2: there's some like, I think there's some
0: element of, respect in that almost
1: I've actually done massive psycho self-psychoanalysis as to where it's come from and do you want to do want me to tell you where I think it's come from I want you to finish talking about what you're
0: talking about and then we'll talk about that
1: okay okay so where was I up to with that then
2: you're a private person but you're yeah, so a private I, private. I
1: don't think that I could have Already have created a platform and be speaking publicly, and then have been going through what I was going through and sustained it. I would because, like I had been posting, you know, had have a business that I primarily advertised through social media that stopped completely. Like I just I, I had the absolute bare minimum to basically do, you know, to show up to my face to face personal training sessions. I barely had enough energy to do that. There was no. Creative energy left over for anything else. And if I'd had, like, I, I watch people on social media, you know, a few days after they've lost a family member or someone significantly and posting things, you know, post uh, people like people who the day that someone passes, posting a memorial to them on social media. It took me. I think eight weeks after dad had died to even ignore like I w- at the time that dad got diagnosed I was writing a weekly email that went out every single week to a bunch of subscribers I wrote three emails explaining what had just che- like going what's going on the first one that happened the week that dad got diagnosed and I wrote it and I just I, I couldn't finish it I didn't send it six months later I tried again and it was like what a six months it's been, and then that never got sent either. And then I still haven't started the email list back up. I haven't I haven't found the words to say to say about that. And it took until we went to uh, this beautiful memorial that my dad's old school had for him. They christened a boat, they named a rowing boat the New Eight after him, and so we all went down for the ceremony of it and to christen the boat um and it took until that weekend which was I think I think off the top of my head about eight weeks maybe less maybe more I don't know (laughs) after for me to finally be able to say anything about it on social media and I I had to process it myself before I could share it there's and I what's really interesting to me and this is just a weird pattern I've noticed because I've had a lot of I've known quite a few people in my life with large Instagram followings and one of the patterns I've noticed is people who are very introverted by nature share so much on social media and people who are very extroverted in person are very private on the
2: internet. Or just very, I'm I'm very
1: selective about what I share. And I need to have processed the lesson in it before I'll talk about it. And I think it's just a matter of me, the the internet's so permanent. And I don't want to put anything out before it's like half shot or I don't yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but yeah.
0: And we're still learning so much about the internet. So what was your big learning in that then? That's old in- saying that now. <laughs>
1: what? You sound old when you say that I know <laughs> hang on a minute so I gotta go buy lesson? small credit <laughs> <laughs> what were you about to say sorry what was my biggest lesson in what what were you
0: just about to say the reason what was the other thing that you were going to say the reason why
2: we you we nearly diverted and I was like finish oh, the other say. other thing yeah oh god let me let me think let me jog back
1: It was about, no, it's gone. Never mind. Oh, well. It's gone. That's the universe at work. Yeah, that was interesting that we lost the recording then too. So I find things like that really, well, that's interesting. (laughs) So. Everything happens for a reason.
0: It does happen for a reason. And I think that. Again, like I really think that there's respect is the word that's coming to mind, but it's not the right word. But, you know, social media is really a tool. And yes, if you're using it for supporting a business or whatever, like if you're experiencing, like not only had you lost your dad, but you, everything you thought you knew about the medical industry fucking just came true. Like every little thought in your mind, you're like, holy shit, this is reality. I'm not just imagining this. This shit's real.
1: As I said to you before we were start- started recording and I say this to people deliberately to be stark about it because this is my reality. I watched the doctors turn my father into a drug addict and then murder him before my eyes with their medicine. That now in hindsight, I look back and I would I would actually say to the oncologist, if it were you, what would you do? Because I hand on heart do not believe that they would put themselves through what they put their patients through. I just don't believe it. I don't believe anyone can witness that knowing that the outcome is nine times out of ten death no matter what path you're going to take. I just don't see how that is what is recommended.
0: What's the justification for? Know
1: that you know the like the Hippocratic Oath: first, do not harm. I like what they do is harm. What they do is harmful. Mm-hmm. When you know the when you know the odds and the outcome, and I feel like, I mean, I did, I, I went to a few appointments, but I mean, you don't know what questions to ask. It's it's a, you're in shock. You're in disbelief. You kind of. You kind of expect that you'll be told lots of different options or like it, it doesn't happen like it happens in the movies. We were never told. I told my family what stage cancer my dad had, because I knew. And they were all like, oh, well, but what like what, like, you know, what is he? Is he like stage two? Is he stage three? And I, I went, guys, he's stage four. It's it's metastasized. It's in two organs. That is stage four. And they went, Are you like? No one had told us that. No one had that. You know, you think that you get the diagnosis and they say, oh, so, you know, it's this stage and this is what your best, you know, option is. And it's just, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a bit, no one at any stage kind of, I suppose they all, you know, you, they say the words pancreatic cancer and they know you're going to go home and Google and you're going to work out exactly how serious it is because. of people don't make it past five years I think it is
2: yeah
1: it's it's one of the worst um and I mean you know they know you're going to go home and google that and find that out but for no one to kind of yeah I don't know but I mean this
0: loops back to everything like we know we get taught training people that communication is like is key, and so you know when we're explaining a squat or when we're explaining what they're going to experience in a session. If we can deliver a full photo or a full image, they're going to walk in knowing what to expect, preempting how they feel. Like they can kind of have that data to play with. So why isn't this it the same conversation? Yeah, when you've got a medical patient sitting in front of you,
2: confused, scared overwhelmed frightened
1: I'd love to say it's because they they believe that they know best and maybe that is it maybe they do believe that they know best I uh, ne- with with what I've learned since then and in the 12 months following with everything that's gone on you know with COVID and all the ugh, drama and all the information that's come out you know since then about the pharmaceutical industries and stuff like that I just actually think that it's just oh well cha-ching cha-ching I will sign you up for 10 rounds then cha-ching yeah my dad was in no sales one day he was booked to go down to down to radiation and I had been there in the morning trying to get him into a wheelchair to wheel him outside to sit him in the sunshine to get some vitamin D on his skin to help boost up his immune system because he hadn't been outside in 48 hours. Where and, was he? <clears throat> pardon? Where was he? North Shore Private.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Which they were they were wonderful. Like mm-hmm. they they were wonderful. The nursing staff, like beautiful. I just again it if it was my body, my belief system i wouldn't have gone that route but it was not my journey yeah um so yeah i was what was i saying about vitamin d i was trying to get dad outside and he was too weak really to kind of get out of bed but i was like you just have to get out of bed to get in the chair i'll wheel you down you know and then you, you'll feel better you'll be, feel energized from the sun it'll help but Mum was really adamant that it wasn't it wasn't a good idea he wasn't up to it Yet he had a radiation treatment in an hour's time. And I remember saying, I go, well, if he's not up to this, he certainly isn't up to going down to radiation. Like He he will not be able to sit through a radiation session and he shouldn't go. He went anyway because they came and they took him down and he got down there and he's required to sit like this while they do the treatment and he couldn't hold his arms above his head so that to send him back up because he was too weak to hold his arms above his head. But they tried, was, um, and I just go, I mean, every treatment that they do is another is another check, isn't it? It's another hit on the register, another thing to ring up for Medicare, so, of course, or for private health insurance. So I'd love to say that that they tried their hardest and they genuinely wanted to save his life, and there were a handful of them who did.
2: But yeah, it's left a really
1: sour taste in my mouth.
2: Yeah, the reason. And it's I- funny,
1: sorry, go on. No, no, you go. And it's funny because one of the things that I've learned since then is that. So, well, I don't have it sitting next to me anymore. I put it away two days ago. Uh, one of the books that I bought the second this happened was Radical Remission, which is a story about a PhD student who was. Studying cancer studying oncology and started and they had a bunch of patients who had miraculously recovered, who were in the treatment thing. And a lot of the other doctors or researchers would like, okay, cool, off you go, then see you later. But this person was like, But how are they recovering? Why? What are they doing? So they went on a mission to get, I think they got like a hundred people who had miraculously recovered and interviewed them about what they had done. And so this is, this book is nine lessons of the nine top things that people who have saved themselves from cancer have done to transform their life. And it's, you know, organic food, clean water, remove toxins, like all all that kind of stuff. And so I read that book straight away um, and was trying to integrate the lessons from that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just think that that's, there is,
1: it's interesting because what I'm learning, the more that I delve into the world, I mean, at the end of the day, once you start to, pharmaceutical companies are listed on the stock exchange. Their primary goal is to make profit. I realised that a few years ago. The, The day I really lost faith was the day that Bayer, purchased monsanto that's the day that i lost faith because i said now the people who are creating the cancer are also selling the cure isn't that interesting and that's a massive conflict of interest
0: friend so of mine just pardon? A, a friend of mine's just sent me a podcast episode around that, and i'm like i don't want to listen to it <laughs> i'm like refusing to like yeah, I just really yeah, want to keep in my ignorant bubble here. It's
1: it's such a it's such a terrifying thing. I think once, like for for me, not so much anymore. I'm at the point now where nothing surprises me, and it's kind of sad to say that. But I'm at the point now where you know, hearing about this this child sex trafficking stuff that's just come out with what's this new movie that's just come out that's blowing up in the states? What's it called? Barbie. Um, pardon? Is it Barbie? No, 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 not the Barbie one, the other one, the one that's about the child sex trafficking. Um, there's, it's some sto- true story about a guy who went on a mission to basically save this one, he saved a young boy and he said, will you save my sister? And he basically quit his job in this, I think he was in the CIA or something, and went on a lifelong mission to find this girl and save her from the sex child, child sex um, trafficking And that movie's come out and it's blowing up because it's like, oh, my God, this is huge. And, and like, I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised that we're finding out that all these things that have been, like, for years been all conspiracy theories. No, they're real. Of course they're real. But I began, like like I said, Bayer, sorry, yeah, Bayer purchased Monsanto probably six or seven years ago now or five years ago. It was a while ago now. And that's when I really went. Okay, no, because here's the thing. If I can be a humble personal trainer and from what I've read on the internet, I can work out
2: what I've worked out, then
1: I'd love to believe that it's ignorance, but I can't. I can't believe it's ignorance if I can know what I know. So the only other thing is that it must be, it must be malignant. And that's really scary because that's
2: a really hard thing to square because then you go, well, that's just evil. Yep. But that's the word. Also, like like you just said, humble personal trainer, like does it also make you
0: feel, this is what I'm saying, the silence comes in, like what's the fucking point? This is so fucking us.
1: Because the second somebody with a PhD turns around and says, don't listen to her, who am I to say? No, please do. But the other thing, the the thing that drives me with this is the thing that's one of the things that's convinced me the most is I don't care how many doctors or people who are experts tell me that vaccines don't cause autism when I can read the testimony of mothers, hundreds and thousands of them, and I can read their heartfelt words. And yes, it's an anecdote, but there are hundreds and thousands of them and they and it won't be their first child it'll be their second or their third or their fourth so they know what a normal development of a young baby looks like and they say my baby was normal I got those shots and now my baby is not normal and you cannot discard that lived experience of that human being even if you don't want to believe it even if you don't want to do the studies to test whether or not it is actually true, because the only thing they say is, "Oh, there's no evidence to prove that." Of course, there's no evidence to prove that because you haven't done the tests because you don't want it to be proven. It's
2: an ugly world when you know that. That's all. it is, and it's. Let's talk- Something more positive i was just going to say this is not a conversation that I
0: want to enter into.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, there's a lot of positive and good going on in the world. And at the end of the day, that's why you and I do what we do, you know, to yeah. spread the good, not the bad. So, yeah. But so I think, I, yeah, you, you need to be awake to it to know what you're fighting, to yeah. know what you're working against. And that loops back
0: to how we started this conversation with really giving women the education and the autonomy. To know what's happening in their body, even when you're feeling really fucking shit and really uncomfortable, like how can we change that needle even one degree to give you back a little bit of power so that you have, even when you go to the doctor or speak to someone, so that you have the education and data to go, well, this is where I'm at.
1: Well, the first thing that I would really want to add to that is, yeah,
2: coming back to that, that like, if it's not normal, the reason why things feel uncomfortable is because it's supposed to,
1: it's you get symptoms and side effects because your body is trying to talk to you, it's trying to tell you a message, it's trying to give you information, so you shouldn't ignore it, you shouldn't just shove it down and you shouldn't just try to find, like take a painkiller for example, you know, if you've got whatever symptoms you might have. You don't just take a painkiller and numb it, but that's what we've been taught and what we've been conditioned to do. And I just think that what we need to do instead is learn to listen to those signs and signals and learn to take those as cues to modify our behaviour rather than to find ways to make life more convenient or to work around
2: them. Yep. So to speak. Yeah. But on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. Good.
0: Good. buddy's had enough
2: I'm tired, but I love you. <laughs>
0: um, thank you so much for sitting here with this. I think there's plenty of room for more conversation. Um, I'll link buddy's social media in the show note, show notes, and I will link her in when I advertise this podcast uh any final words sarah
1: yes i have a request oh god <laughs> um, well as I, as I told you last week i'm going to be starting up my own podcast mm-hmm. and i want you to come on to my first episode fuck yeah um, be on my first episode please
2: i will do that for you sarah Appreciate. <laughs> yeah. all right team until next time